0: Hi everybody, welcome to this episode of the Heart Podcast. It's James Rudd here, the digital media editor here at Heart. Today we are talking all about atrial fibrillation and the best way of having good rate control. Uh, I discuss uh, a paper which is called Rate Control in AF, Calcium Channel Blockers versus Beta Blockers uh, with Dr. Tielemann and Dr. Reinstra from the Netherlands, from Groningen Medical Center, I will make the paper open access if it's not already, so please feel free to download and have a look at the paper as well as listen along to the podcast. Thanks so much for your positive reviews. It really does help us reach new audience members, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Um, I wonder if we can start off by having you introduce yourself for the Heart podcast. Um, Who are you? Where do you work? And what do you do there?
1: So let me start. My name is Michiel Rienstra. I'm a clinical cardiologist, uh, professor of clinical cardiology in the University Medical Center, Groningen, the Netherlands. And I uh, combine my daily work uh, in treating patients uh, with atrial fibrillation and heart failure, and also do a lot of research in the field of atrial fibrillation and heart
0: failure. Fantastic.
2: My name is Tim Koldenhoff. I'm a resident not in training and a PhD student focusing mainly on heart rate control in patients with AF. Uh, with a focus on rate control medication specifically. And they also work at the University Medical Center in Groningen, working together with Michiel on
0: my uh, PhD thesis. And thanks so much to you both for joining me today. I really wanted to uh, get you on the podcast to talk about a original research paper you've published in Heart, which is called Rate Control in Atrial Fibrillation, Calcium Channel Blockers versus Beta Blockers. And I just wonder if we could start off by maybe you giving us some background to the paper, please. What prompted you to to do this piece of work?
1: No, I think uh, heart rate control in paroxysmal atrial fibrillation is always challenging. And there is evidence on rate control in patients with paroxysmal AF, um, but uh, there is uh, also a lot of questions uh, that uh, remain unanswered. We know that heart rates during atrial fibrillation can reduce the af related symptoms. Uh, paroxysmal AF patients, they have, of course, often symptomatic episodes of their atrial fibrillation. But in between, they also have longer or shorter periods with sinus rhythm. And ideally, we want to prevent the high heart rates during atrial fibrillation without causing any side effects in terms of bradycardia during the periods of sinus rhythm. So uh, currently, rate control titration with beta blockers uh, is often limited by uh, the low heart rates that occur in sinus rhythm. So uh, we, we cannot give a lot of uh, uh, beta blockers to our proxysmal AF patients, meaning that the heart rates during its fibrillation are less well controlled. And um, the effect of calcium channel blockers on heart rate and sinus rhythm, that isn't very well described, but we have the idea that there may be some differences based on the theory and the working mechanisms of calcium channel blockers in comparison to beta blockers so and that was actually the main drive for us to study the calcium channel blockers uh, and beta blockers in patients who have atrial fibrillation episodes but also uh, having also sinus rhythm uh, periods still
0: perfect and maybe you could tell the audience what the guidelines tell us currently about rate control in both permanent atrial fibrillation and in paroxysmal atrial fibrillation? What do they say that we should be doing?
2: Well, they say that um, rate control is recommended in all patients with AF, even as a background therapy for patients undergoing rhythm control therapy or patients in paroxysmal AF. And the EC guidelines recommend or they state that lenient rate control, which is a heart rate below 110 beats per minute, is an acceptable initial approach for rate control. And that's regardless of heart failure status. Okay. What symptoms of af do persist or your heart failure deteriorates, um, they said that stricter rate control uh, is recommended, so below 80 beats per minute. But in the absence of heart failure and severe COPD or asthma, both beta blockers and non dihydropyridine calcium channel blockers such as verapamil and diltiazam have a class 1b recommendation. And they have no preference between these medications. So basically, the physician is able to choose between beta blockers and calcium channel blockers.
0: I see. So it's a kind of open question, and hence your uh, piece of research. Exactly. Maybe you can tell us about the the research that you did, the trial that you performed, and um, and what you hypothesized ahead of going into the study.
1: Yeah. So we performed an analysis of the affirmed study. That's a study being performed uh, in the early two thousand, um, and it, uh, we now studied heart rate during atrial fibrillation and heart rates during sinus rhythm. Um, and and sinus rhythm we used the physics just before the atrial fibrillation happened. And we hypothesized that both rate control drugs, so beta blockers and calcium channel blockers would have similar effects on heart rate control during atrial fibrillation, but there may be differences during sinus rhythm. Uh, And then we hypothesized that beta blockers had more uh, reduced heart rate in sinus rhythm than calcium channel blockers
0: and tim maybe you could tell us a little bit about the actual trial in terms of the the population that you studied and the methods that you used and things
2: yeah of course um well we aim to include patients that both have sinus rhythm and atrial fibrillation during follow-up so we included patients that were in sinus rhythm at baseline um uh, looking to exclude patients with permanent atrial fibrillation or a long-standing persistent af And they had to use either calcium channel blockers or beta blockers at baseline so we excluded patients that used both beta blockers and calcium channel blockers because then a comparison would be uh, impossible of course yeah Um, and patients that switched between rate control drugs before their first episode of af were also excluded because um, the reason for switching rate control drugs could already be possibly related to side effects of either rate control drugs uh, or related to uh, bradycardia um, and we did do a sensitivity analysis later, which we'll come back to um, looking at the patients we excluded because of these reasons. So uh, in the end, we tried to include patients with paroxysmal and persistent AF that had both sinus rhythm and atrial fibrillation during follow-up.
0: Then, what were the outcomes uh, that you looked at in the study? And I don't mind if Michael or, or, or Tim takes this one.
2: Um, well, we looked at heart rate control or, or heart rate during the first episode of AF, and um, so that, that's, all, of course, a uh, different follow-up for each patient. But, so we looked at the first episode of AF, looked at heart rate control then, and whether the current guideline recommended treatment or lenient rate control was achieved between these groups. And we saw that during the first episode of AF, 92% of patients were in lenient rate control uh, in both the beta blocker arm and the calcium channel blocker arm. And then, as, as Michiel stated before, we looked at the last uh, follow-up visit where patients were still in sinus rhythm, where heart rate control was also assessed. And we looked at the presence of bradycardia during this episode of, or this period of sinus rhythm. We saw that 32 patients were having a bradycardia using beta blockers. And we defined bradycardia as a heart rate below 60 beats per minute. And that was compared to 17 patients using calcium channel blockers. And even when we looked at, looking at heart rate below uh, 50 beats per minute, we saw that 5% of patients using beta blockers had, um, well, severe bradycardia compared to only 1% of patients using calcium channel blockers. Because, of course, we had some risk of confounding in these patients. Uh, we, we performed multivariable analysis, adjusting for baseline differences, and we saw that effectively that the results were unchanged after multivariable analysis.
0: And I should just jump back. Um, I think maybe we skipped over it. So you had, uh, in essence, just over 1,000 patients who are in sinus rhythm at baseline, mm-hmm. taking either beta blockers or calcium channel blockers, and 474 had AF during follow-up uh, whilst remaining on the same medications. About Mm -hmm. half on beta blockers, half on calcium channel blockers. The mean age was basically the same, right? In both groups, around 70 years uh, for uh, calcium channel blockers and 68 years for beta blockers, Mm -hmm. 42% women. And then, as you say, um, good rate control during AF. Would you agree using either agent? Um, 92% reached the target. Yes. But significantly more bradycardia during sinus rhythm episodes uh, in patients taking beta blockers. Okay. Okay. Exactly. 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 Okay. And what would you say are the kind of conclusions and, and takeaways from this? Uh, should, we should say it's a sub-analysis, right? It was a non-pre-specified sub-analysis of the Affirm study, right? It's For sure, yes. And what, what kind of conclusions and takeaways do you have from this uh, really elegant sub-analysis piece of work?
2: Well, I think, first of all, we should take uh, the limitations of this analysis into, uh, into account. Because as you mentioned, it wasn't a pre-specified analysis. Uh, and it wasn't a randomized control trials yeah so uh, it wasn't designed as a randomized control trial comparing calcium channel blockers and beta blockers um so there's a risk of confounding and even though we adjusted for multiple um uh, known confounding factors there's always the risk of residual confounding or, or measured confounding in this group um and because we selected patients based on rate control baseline at sinus rhythm at baseline there is the risk of a selection bias and even though we perform sensitivity analysis we cannot completely rule out the risk of selection bias in this group and we have no information unfortunately about the dosage changes during follow-up so it might be possible that there were dose changes of rate control medication in between the episode of af uh, and sinus rhythm uh, so we should take that into account um, but what we i think we should take away from this study is that um, as we know both uh, treatments are already guideline recommended, so the physician is free to choose between beta blockers and calcium channel blockers in most patients. And I think beta blockers are predominantly described as, at least in the European Union or in the EU, um, and some of these patients will experience side effects such as bradycardia or fatigue. And I think we should consider switching ray control drugs from, at least from beta blockers to calcium channel blockers in case of these side effects more often. Um because I think we're basically on a, a one treatment for all patients strategy for most patients. And the cardiologists usually have a preference for either calcium channel blockers or beta blockers. And that uh, determines which ray control drugs most patients will, will receive. So I think we should consider in the case of side effects, we should consider switching to uh, uh, an alternative ray control medication more often and just see whether patients experience these same side effects. Or if we can achieve better rate control, especially in patients with paroxysmal atrial fibrillation.
0: And do you know if there are any uh, definitive randomized control trials in progress uh, to address this sort of question absolutely uh, with definitive evidence, or is this something? Is this about as good as we're going to get in terms of evidence?
1: That's a terrific point uh, you're making. We are, of course, since this is a long-term interest of ours to study. Difference between beta blockers and uh, calcium channel blockers. So we are in the process of developing a trial to really give the final answer to this. And this will not, of course, lead to um, different recommendation in the guideline, um, but maybe we can guide clinicians in which situation to use which drug and do not start in all patients always with the beta blocker, but in some Probably and maybe in paroxysmalate fiblation, fibrillation, a tel- calcium channel blocker may be a, a better first choice. But uh, trial is on the way. I would say.
0: Okay, that's interesting to hear. Is there anything else you'd like to share, gentlemen, before we wrap up here?
1: No, I don't have any additions. Do you want to add something?
2: No, I don't, no additions. I think if, if there's any questions from the audience, I think you can contact us with the uh, there's an email address in the um in the manuscript with the corresponding author. So feel free to ask any questions
0: yeah i'll definitely make the uh, manuscript open access if it's not already for a few weeks after the podcast comes out and you're right yeah your email addresses are are listed in the paper there so if folks have any other questions i'm sure they can uh, get in touch but uh, once again thank you so much to both of you for joining me today it's been a great pleasure to chat to you thank you for having us